News. 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 New York City. FAQ NYC podcast getting more and more interesting by the minute. FAQ. It's FAQ NYC, the New Yorkers podcast from the newsroom by and for New Yorkers, the city. I'm Harry Siegel, here with Christina Greer and Katie Onan. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hey. So Katie is calling in this week, jamming with the news, and let's jump right in with just some of the news from another jam-packed week in New York City. Deep breath. Migrants will start receiving credit cards they can use to buy their own food in place of the food the city is contracted to provide, and that in some cases has been spoiled or wasted. This is migrant families, not uh, single men, which we'll come back to, and a pilot program that's already been attacked by the likes of Texas Governor Greg Abbott and 50 Cent, who said he might vote for Trump because of it. All of that naturally has been reported in the New York Post, which has shifted into full election year mode in its coverage. Uh, That also applies to the case of the young migrant men without families who'd been staying in a midtown shelter, who beat up two cops who told them to move on and reportedly had been doing criminal stuff around midtown, and then fled after they were released without bail in a decision that's again put a spotlight on Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg, who also, of course, has his Trump case coming up. In later news, FIFA announced the, quote, New York, New Jersey, meaning East Rutherford, New Jersey, is going to host the 2026 World Cup final. Back inside or at the borders of the city, early voting has started in the race to replace George Santos, which will come down to turnout in Long Island and Eastern Queens in a contest between former Rep. Tom Swazi and newcomer Mazi Philippe, the Republican, and could prove critical to determining control of the House. Uh, over in the city, the publication, our colleague Heidi Chu has a new analysis that's pretty eye-popping, showing that despite a shift away from criminal enforcement by New York City that began in 2019, NYPD criminal tickets to vendors, requiring them at the least to lose a day's work and show up in court, have skyrocketed on the watch of Mayor Eric Adams. Retired NYPD inspector and longtime Eric Adams acquaintance Dwayne Montgomery pleaded guilty as we're recording this Monday morning to one count of fifth-degree conspiracy for his role in an alleged straw donor scheme to boost Eric Adams' 2021 mayoral campaign, becoming the third person involved in that scheme, which the mayor has denied any knowledge of or pardon to plead guilty. Speaking of Adams, he'll be in Albany on Tuesday asking for help on his budget concerns, including some housing deal, finally, and a real extension of mayoral control of New York City schools. This is a hat-in-hand day for the mayor always, who said he's done great with Albany, uh, but really has not over his first two years. Um, we'll have much more coming about that soon. From Katie, is she's going to be visiting Albany tomorrow to cover. But right now, Katie, can you look ahead and just sort of set the scene for where things are at and what you're expecting the mayor to prioritize and how you expect legislators to treat him? Thanks, Harry. You know, to me, the budget stuff is about the migrants because as the mayor has discussed in his January budget presentation, you know, I know that there was sort of some numbers games with between November and January finding money, um, taking back some of the cuts he'd previously announced. But a lot of the forward-looking cuts, the ones that are expected in April's modification, those can be completely gone too if the state gives the city enough money as it continues to care for thousands of asylum seekers here in the city. So that's going to be in my, what, I, what I see as the focus, even though the mayor from the state of the city sort of 
barely mentioned the migrants and really hyped up the city and how well we're doing, the reality is he really needs money from the state. How he will work with the legislators, I mean, I don't know. Is his state intergov team, are they as effective as the city intergov team? You can sense the sarcasm here. Uh, you know, these are the people who, I guess, are supposed to be meeting with legislators, talking with them, trying to negotiate with them. They haven't really been successful with the city council. We'll see how they are with the state legislators. He has not, and the other thing to keep in mind, this is the mayor's pushing for mayoral control. So this is the other sort of big asks from Albany, right? And he's more aligned with the governor than he is with some of the state legislators. So we shall see is what I say when I have no idea what's going to happen. But we'll go up there and we'll hear his testimony, which I believe will be leaning very heavily towards, you know, it's the begging day. So that's what they're focusing on. And I think the ask, the main ask will be the migrants. Because, you know, for the mayor's messaging, he could get so much more done if he didn't have to spend so much money on the migrants. So that's sort of been the, the main issue with him with the budget. Chrissy, Eric Adams used to be a state senator. Is it fair to say this has been really hard to him? so far? And if so, what's that about? Yeah, well, I thought when Adams became mayor that his time and tenure in Albany would actually serve him really well. I know it was a long time ago, and a lot of the players have changed, but I really thought that he'd be able to go there and at least have a lay of the land. You know, something that de Blasio didn't have, and definitely something that, you know, Bloomberg didn't have. Not like Bloomberg needed it, um, since he was sort of over... Uh, Andrew Cuomo, just because of a whole bunch of economic reasons. But I don't know, money. Katie. I mean, what'd you say, Harry? Money. Money. Yeah, I mean, money. I mean, changes Andrew, everything. Andrew Cuomo was smart enough not to flex on Michael Bloomberg, and all that pent up rage and frustration manifested itself in how we treated Bill de Blasio. So that's just what it was. Um, but I thought that Eric Adams would be able to go to Albany at least, you know, with some sort of lay of the land. And also the fact that he had Diane Savino in his back pocket working on his behalf, and she definitely knows the lay of the land in, a, I would say, a bipartisan way. And we know this particular mayor likes to dabble and play footsie with Republicans in ways that make a lot of us feel very uncomfortable. But Diane Savino, I mean, that was sort of her brand as well. So I actually, in my, you know, optimism, thought that, okay, this administration knows Albany in a way that we just didn't see in the last administration. They can go there. They can sort of finagle money and votes from people who normally wouldn't support, say, big D Democrats, but sort of see the Adams administration as a little, uh, as a lot moderate to conservative and maybe more aligned with their values so they'd be more inclined to open up the coffers. Uh, that doesn't necessarily appear to be the case. I mean, I think some of it is ego-driven. Uh, I don't know, Katie knows better than I and, and She'll be up there tomorrow to see how the... Because, like, some of it isn't just what it is. It's how it is, right? And so we all know how you approach someone can dictate whether or not you get something or you don't, right? I mean, and we could be on the same page, but it's like if you roll up on me, and we, we talk about this all the time, if you roll up in a particular way, I was inclined to say yes, and now I'm inclined to say no, just because of how you asked. So I don't know if they're going hat in hand and humbly with their tin can or if they're sort of rolling up guns blazing like, we deserve this, you know, look at what we do in New York. I'm not sure. Katie, one more question for you here. So you've got migrants as this, this big backdrop that, as you mentioned, in the state of the city hardly came up at all, as it seems like Adams 
who has a 28% approval rating as of early December, is shifting into a campaign mode um, about what he's accomplished. Um, The other big looming issue, rather separate from migrants, or as separate as anything gets, these all connect in obvious ways, is, is, uh, but pretty separate, is housing. Um, And last year was going to be the year where something had to give with housing. Nothing got done. The 421A tax break that developers insisted was essential to getting things built, expired. There's a lot less construction in the pipeline following that. And now this is the year where something happened. Adam says a whole city of yes agenda. Mm-hmm. Do, do you have a sense of how urgent this is, how clearly or not we're going to get to a deal, or if this is something that could just uh, evaporate again in whatever seeming stalemate between uh, the left of the party, which is interested in something like universal rent control and uh, keeping rates down, and the centrists who seem to be concerned largely with uh, creating new supply. Right. I, I don't know, unfortunately, how things will go, but that is a great point. The, the city and, and Mayor Adams they desperately need changes from Albany in order to meet their moonshot housing number. Uh, after the state of the city, I spoke with Deputy Mayor Maria Torres Springer, who said, you know, there were really the four, you know, they need these sort of four pillars of what needs to happen and what needs to be changed before they can even get close to this number. And building housing is a huge priority for the mayor in, in terms of what he says. But again, they are sort of limited with things that are out of their control, even something like legalizing basement apartments, which put a lot more apartments legally online. Um, getting, you know, just help in developing more. They need help from Albany. And, you know, it's funny you said that about ego. I don't know. um, Yeah, I think, I don't know if it's the mayor rubs people the wrong way. I know he's feuded with some of the more very much left uh, to him, state legislators about a variety of issues. They feuded on bail reform and the changes he wants implemented. So, I, I often get the sense, I don't know if the mayor necessarily plays nice, but then I guess I don't, I don't think any mayor ever did. And that's kind of, not, I guess, not their their whole point is not to just play nice and do what other people want from them. But I, I know this will be the third time that Mayor Adams goes up to Albany. He's been very sensitive to the coverage of his trips up to Albany. Um, and if they're even implied to be sort of bad, but it doesn't seem like he gets exactly what he wants when he goes up there. You know, I'm, I, he has been sensitive. I'm, I'm just flatly saying it. Like he's not had a great two years there, yeah. and that he can tick stuff off in a get stuff done mode about what he did get. You know, no, no, no mayor goes up there and leaves totally empty-handed. Like you know, we're we're the economic engine of the state, most of the tax revenue, and it's a weird thing where where our leader has to go there to ask for money and legal changes to to handle our priorities. But as you know, Andrew Cuomo endlessly said, like you know, the uh, the city is a creature of the state thing i wanted to mention real quick before we shift over to migrants kathy Hochul throwing the pot folks entirely under the bus she said the rollout of new york's cannabis program was a disaster every street corner every other storefront it's insane she blamed lawmakers she blamed her predecessor andrew cuomo she canceled a meeting but um she denies that she canceled it, but it seems pretty clear from the reporting that's out there where they were going to approve more licenses because there weren't enough. This is something she inherited to some extent, but then was promoting. You know, since she's been in office, it's it's a, it's a pretty stunning reversal um, at this point and not clear what she 
can do with that. There is a legislative question pending about whether cities can get more control. Eric Adams says, given that, he could clean everything up in a month to crack down on illegal stores. But of course, that would repeat a lot of the the problems of criminalization that led us here in the first place. With apologies for, for jumping around, Chrissy, we were talking right before we went on air about this migrant beatdown about the uh, Bragg thing. The Post had wolf pack as a phrase in their uh, coverage, which gave me all the flashbacks. Um, and obviously all this is happening in a very weird, to this point, very quiet presidential year where we, we move quite smoothly toward the two oldest main party candidates ever running against each other in this uh, rematch. I don't think many people are looking forward to. What are you thinking about our local scene and coverage and Adams and as he's looking toward reelection and the council toward their year, how this is going to play out. Is New York going to be a character in this national election, which I'm getting very worried about reading the, uh, the post these last few days, which seems to be in a full crusading mode. Yeah. Well, I don't read the post, so I just, I I can't take it. And Oh, they, 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 they they called us. Oh, they, they wrote an article about Alec Baldwin showing up at the Daily News thing after he got invited to Katie's interview with the Daily News staffers. And they said NPR asked Alec Baldwin to show up, and he did. So I know 25 people over there. I got there. a promotion. Ah, yeah. Congrats, Katie. I said, hey, we're not NPR. Like, tiny matter of, of, of basic fact, right? This piece was, like, linked on Drudge. Post loved it was they got to make fun of Alec Baldwin and the Daily News. So oh, yeah. just, I don't care. But get it factually right. And uh, they, they did not respond. Any of the people I know there, they did not correct it. And I said, I think that says a lot about the paper where all of the good reporters and like people there are actually breaking news and why, you know, someone like Chrissy isn't going to read it, that it's the opposite of facts don't care about feelings. They, they just don't seem to care about inconvenient facts frequently in their coverage. Yeah. I mean, listen, I find their headlines super racist and I just, I don't, I find some of the reporters have like not quoted me properly, so I don't talk to them. Um, and I just, I don't read the paper, so... There. It's like the equivalent of me watching Fox News. I don't need to do it. It gets my blood pressure up. And like, I don't need to sort of deal with people who uh, I don't feel like see humanity and people of color. So that's my thing on the post. At me if you feel like it. Um, as far as sort of where we are. Yeah. I mean, someone texted me this weekend. It was like, how are you feeling about the election? You know, scale of one to 10. And I was like, one being you know, happy, sane, 10 being filled with anxiety and like, you know, spontaneous nosebleeds. And I'm like a nine and a half. Like, I just, I'm definitely worried about this year. I think this year leads into next year, which is the mayoral election, which leads into 2026 with Kathy Hochul. You sort of asked about New York. I think, you know, the fact that New York is the reason why Congress is, you know, divided government. We've got some Republican maniacs like running the show, um, worries me. Uh, you know, you've got Maisie Phillip, who's technically a registered Democrat, and Tom Swazi, who's raising money, but he's like low-key in a fight for his life. So, but then again, it's just, you know, for young people who are so disgusted with our politics, it's like, so wait, this guy was an elected, and then he ran for governor, and now he's running for Congress again. Like, where is the turnover? See previous recordings where I'm constantly asking, why don't you have mentees after all these years? Why aren't you putting up someone young and fresh with new ideas so it just doesn't seem like we're rehashing the same old people over and over again? 
Um, so yeah, I am worried because listen, as I said before, you give Lee Zeldin three more weeks, he'd be the governor. Like there's something about Kathy Hochul that just I don't know, something's off. Um, and I don't know if voters recognize that. I know there's a complex dance with, you know, you can't satisfy the needs and whims of New York City too much because upstate gets upset. We know that, even though, as you said very clearly and succinctly, Harry, we are the economic engine. You know, without us, you guys have like prisons and yogurt, maybe some beer, but that's it. Like we are the money makers and like treat us as such um, as the five boroughs and our little satellite cities. But that's a really hard argument to make in Albany, and a lot of folks don't want to hear it. So the job of the governor is really difficult because you have to satisfy the needs of not just the major cities in your state, but all the other small towns that really resent uh, a lot of the cities and a lot of the cities that have people of color. Um, and that's just what it is when we look at sort of maps of the United States uh, and how do you deal with, you know, what Kathy Hochul is Grappling with when it comes to migrants and sort of the increased diversity in places that have never seen it before. So that's kind of where we are. Then you add in FIFA coming in 2026, and that just fills me with dread because having gone to several Jets-Giants games, we're not ready. The infrastructure is not ready. It is embarrassment how we're so ill-prepared uh, with our public transportation system, to say nothing of the people who dare to drive. So that's my morning rant on a Monday. New York, New Jersey, it's New Jersey's problem. You swear up the third, do, do, do your best, do your worst. But I mean, don't forget, all these people have to roll through Penn Station a lot, of, you know, so it's like... Oh, no doubt. And, and stay in hotels here. and Yeah, yeah and, and they don't even turn off the escalators. So we have like this jam crush situation when people are trying to get on the trains to go to Secaucus with no signage. And then, of course, because none of our transportation is linked, your subway metro card doesn't work with New Jersey Transit. So then you have the queue of people who are just trying to figure out their phones. There are not enough people working. And it's just a crush of people, which, you know, for those of us who are old enough to remember, what was it, the, the soccer stadium in the UK? Like, I remember reading about that crush from the stadium. And this is why I have issues with the let out, you know, and I leave events early sometimes just because I feel like the people who have designed much of these transportation hubs and sporting events haven't thought about the crush of people who will be leaving said events. Um, and I do worry about FIFA, as excited as I may be. Also, I'm a, question, a friend, I don't know, Harry or Katie, if you know this, are we doing like special visas since it's North America and there are things that are going to be in Canada and Mexico, like, how are we just sort of seamlessly going to these games across the border? Like, are there special visas for, like, players and people who want to, like, just go? Or do you just, I mean, I have a passport, but are, not are everybody has a passport. I don't know. I'm just kind of curious. I have no idea. You, I, I think it's funny you think that any of the three of us can afford a ticket to the World Cup when it's going to be in my life. <laughs> these tickets are going to be, like, $95,000. First, like standing room only. Yeah, it's like the Super Bowl, but you know, you. I mean, hey, Katie, yeah. listen, we can finagle some things. We're queens, girls. We'll figure it out. If you want to no, go, if you want to go, we can go. But I, I don't even know if I'm that pressed. I mean, it's you know, no offense, but it, it's soccer. That doesn't really do much for me. I will say, I think you know, the New York, New Jersey, while it's endlessly mockable, and I'm enjoying all the tweets about it. Um, it actually speaks to. I know that there's always this tension. They fight. Oh, New Jersey hates New York. We hate New Jersey. Blah blah blah. But we need each other. I don't think they could have made this pitch to holding the final here and just having any games here if there wasn't this sort of co-pitch of, you know, you want the huge international base of soccer fans in New York City. 
you want, but we don't have the stadium, you know? So that's the sort of this combination. So I saw a lot of people from Jersey getting tired. Oh, it's a, it's a New Jersey. It's like, yeah, you needed our glow to get to where you are now. Right. You know, what, Jersey's making the pitch. Like, come on. They made it together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I but like Jersey alone, like it's not happening. Bob Menendez isn't bringing FIFA to Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. Governor He's not Murphy even bringing his it, wife yeah. into the Senate at this point. <laughs> oh, too soon, Harry. Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> I got a no gold closing. bars for you, Harry. Uh, no, no, that's that's uh, oh man, that that is what you get in the Senate. Uh, to to quote uh, a guy who's on cameo now, uh, this job is fucking golden. Hi, Harry. This is Rod Blagojevich, and your friend Tim asked me to send along a simple message to you, and here it is. It's a simple message. It's this: the P tape is real, my friend. People are saying it's not, but it is. And it's more than that. It's effing golden. And whatever you do, Harry, trust the Meekins. That's a callback. Um, I see Katie has just dropped off the line. Um, She may be off doing reporting. I can't say. But Chrissy, here's my big closer for you. And it's a serious question. We have New York is going to be a backdrop for these people you don't like or trust for their narrative about an out-of-control America and an American decline and all that stuff. What should centrist Democrats, and I'm talking specifically here about Eric Adams, who certainly would prefer as mayor, I can't say as a candidate, to be dealing with the Biden administration rather than a Trump one, what, what are his obligations in terms of pressing uh, Washington for help with migrants and policy shifts, for keeping this behind closed doors in the middle of, of this election? Like, how does New York put its best foot forward while doing its best for itself when when it's going to be, and it already is becoming, a big character in this vastly high-stakes national race for the presidency and uh, with control of the House and the Senate also in play? You know, I think... I've struggled thinking about this. The, the mayor has obviously sort of struggled with, with how far out he wants to go. And he's been harsher, notably, with Biden than with, with Hochul while dealing with some similar issues in terms of the sorts of support he needs. And it's a very complicated position. I love your thoughts on this and how to balance those things. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the mayor is smart not to flex on Hochul. I mean, we've seen what happens when, you know, we'll think about the de Blasio Cuomo wars that we had to live with uh, and live through. And we failed, you know, we failed to get things when they were sort of at each other's necks. And Kathy Hochul is a much more direct line to the mayor than the president, even though the president obviously has larger coffers to give. But he also understands the constraints that Joe Biden's in. You know, Joe Biden is very clear that, you know, African-Americans delivered him to the White House. So he's not going to I don't know, call out Eric Adams in a way, especially in an election year that, you know, could be misconstrued in a particular way. Um, So strategically, I think Eric Adams knows who you can, you know, don't forget, he's from a paramilitary organization. Like, you know who you can talk back to and who you can't. Um, And I think that he's he's very clear how power works. Um, And so Joe Biden's farther away. And there's some racial components to Joe Biden, especially in election year. Um, where I think Eric Adams is keenly aware of that as well. I think, though, that, you know, I always tell my students, if you're ever confused about what an answer should be, like the answer's money, right? Just put money in and work your way backwards and you'll figure out what it should be. Um, 
And that's where we are, right? Eric Adams is essentially saying, like, I can't be great because we don't have money. I can't do all the things that, you know, I'm supposed to do. Like, you all are making my job harder because I need this money. And these are ways that, you know, Bloomberg didn't have the issue because Bloomberg could quietly finance whatever he wanted to finance. You know, de Blasio— With money. With money. With money. There it is. And de Blasio had, like, relatively really great economic times. And, like, you know, his big hiccup was COVID. Um but that was sort of, you know, on on his kind of tail end of things. We'd already, like, literally checked out. Um, and we sadly weren't expecting much from him. I mean, he'd sort of conditioned us to, like, not rely on him at a certain point in time once we realized he, was, he wasn't here and he wasn't interested in being here, um, especially during the very beginning of his second term. So the constraints are real. I mean, I think the framing that the mayor has chosen, this current mayor has chosen, is... I don't know if I would have chosen that strategy. The strategy is to blame migrants for everything and then hope that people sort of get on board. But, you know, he's also a moderate to conservative, and that's their strategy. That's more of the New York Post strategy, not the sort of, you know, I think there's a story in City and State, uh, the briefer this morning, about, you know, families in Brooklyn who have, like, taken in, like, three families of migrants um, and really just said it, like, instead of, you know, accusing them and degrading them, how about we think of it you know, shift the lens and we can actually build a community incorporating migrant families into our communities. Because, let's be clear, it's America. We've an abundance of resources just laying around. Like, just look at all the wars we're in currently. So we have the resources and individuals have the resources. And so I think Eric Adams' framing of things makes it such that it's much more of a competition. But a lot of Americans are accustomed to that sort of if you have, then that means I must not have. Um, that's a very Trumpian way of thinking that we were conditioned to sort of lean into over four years. And a lot of us fought and resisted it. But like there is a fundamental belief that like just because you get something doesn't mean that something is being taken away from me. I don't believe energetically or physically that that's how life operates. But there are a lot of people who do. And that's more of the Eric Adams camp. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if Scott Stringer or whoever else decides to jump in, if they choose a different strategy, which is, you know, more of a Dinkins beautiful mosaic, um, where there's enough resources for all of us if we just sort of lean into what it really means to be a New Yorker and not double down on, like, this is my turf. Um, and I think maybe what we'll see in 2025 is, like, what is the soul and philosophy you know, sort of Biden-esque in 2020, right? What is the soul of the nation? What is the soul of this city? And we're, if we're fighting for the soul of the city, are we going to lean more into the tenement museum ethos of like, we're a city of immigrants. We've always been a city of immigrants. We've always been a city of newcomers. We've always had to figure out how to live shoulder to shoulder and lean into things. Or is it going to be this Trumpian competitive I want to take all of your resources because I just need to have them for myself. We'll the New York Post one more time. They broke the news about these credit well, cards like being given too much airtime to migrant families. They, they, they break news. Okay. And one, and two, they, they are a feeder network for all these national narratives. And I'm, I'm, I, I get the case for just leaving a lot of that be, but I, you know, I think being sensitive to them is also important. So they had a perfectly neutral news story about this pilot program to give credit cards and money directly to migrant families rather than supplying food. Seems like it would be uh, cheaper and more sensible and allow for some flexibility. 
They then ran it in print with a, I don't have it in front of me, but a fairly inflammatory headline. They've run at least two follow-up stories, three about this with uh, Greg Abbott and 50 Cent, as I mentioned, and Michael Rappaport, who they call a far-left actor, saying, I might vote for Trump because of this, like Christ, whatever. But you can feel exactly what Chrissy just described in that, in which, uh, you know, you have a, a narrative in which the Post, which previously ran stories about how food was getting wasted. Now it's like, well, let people just get their own food. And that's also outrageous. And 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 how uh, zero sum this is. And that the fundamental objection is, why are we feeding or doing anything for these people? And the selfish answer, if you're not in deep sympathy, is... Uh, because you don't want these people just out on the streets in New York City with absolutely no resources, obviously. But as a narrative device right now, just saying, look what they are taking from us. Uh, you know, I am concerned that, that this is, and I see the polling inside New York City. So we're not talking about the national election here or what people in, in Arkansas are feeling, that there is traction for this. Uh, we will... See, and then how this plays out in 2025, uh, Adams, of course, is very sensitive about Dinkins, our only previous black mayor who did end up as a one-term mayor, and uh, not repeating that. And how he plays those cards, he can be very assertive in saying that the uh, the press is too young and white, which really is, um, and also in playing, you know, referee, as if he can be both the star of the game and the guy calling what is and isn't fair with coverage. And what Tony takes going forward after this state of the city reset with some of this, which really was an optimistic, generous tone, I think is going to be really telling. And how he handles it during this year and with, uh, you know, all of these other pressures. Scott Stringer has an exploratory run. The FBI probe is still looming. It's, it's, it's a lot. And we're going to see if he can, in fact, stay focused and grind and uh, get stuff done as he likes to uh, – yeah. I mean, listen, he went on the charm offensive in the state of the city. And we mm-hmm. know that that's like, that's one of his resting points. Like, he does that. Um, He's coming. But I think, you know, the problem with a lot of people, not just Americans, is that people are ahistoric. And so they don't read history. It's like, think about the French Revolution. It's like, you starve the poor. The only thing they have to do <laughs> left to eat is the rich. You know, like we can't have a city like that. And I mean, this is my disdain for the post is they feed into this like ravenous narrative and they consistently relate to people as animals, which is a very Trumpian thing. And we know if you read history, what happens when dictators relate to people as animals and it dehumanizes them and that's whatever. Um, so I think the mayor can be very charming to the public when he feels like it. He can be very sort of straightforward to the public when he feels like it. And he can be incredibly sensitive when he feels like it. So, And we'll it can see. be closely aligned with the Post, which which really pushed very hard as basically a Republican paper behind him in a significant way went to get him elected mayor in the first place. Well, don't forget, you remember his first month or two in office when they could have had him on the front page every day, hiring your brother, hiring Phil Banks, of all people. He should have been on the Post every day. And who was on the front page of the Post? Al Bragg, right? Every day. Al Bragg, Al Bragg, Al Bragg. That was a gift to Eric Adams. And I mean, that let me know where the Post was. I mean, the Post has shown itself for me for a long time, so they're not getting two cents for me. But Eric Adams, you know, needs the Post because, let's be clear, just because Chrissy Greer doesn't read it, I mean, it's still one of the papers of record in the in the city and you see 
loads of people reading it every day, digesting their, let me just, let me leave it at that, um, digesting things. So. <laughs> the credits. <laughs> I'm going to keep my job. Um, so, yeah, it is one of the the three papers of record in the city, right? Uh, and some people get their news from it. Sure. Good for you. But Eric Adams needs the post and he can't lose the post. And I think he'll lean into, especially with the migrants and the police interaction, altercation that happened this weekend. I mean, it'll be interesting to see their headlines consistently and to see how long they keep that on the front page. Because in some ways, it depends, right? The mayor might want them to keep it on the front page because that helps his narrative of these dangerous migrants and this is why we need more money. Or take it off the front page because I'm trying to say that the city is safe and we can't keep reminding people that there was an altercation between migrants and police. TBD. Stay tuned. F-A-Q. FAQ NYC is headquartered at the city, a nonprofit, nonpartisan newsroom dedicated to hard-hitting journalism that serves the people of New York. You can find it all freely available to everyone at thecity.nyc and chip in to support that work if you'd like at thecity.nyc slash give. The podcast receives support from PNT Knitwear, an independent bookstore, cafe, and event space on Manhattan's Lower East Side with the podcast studio that can be freely reserved for community use. And from Bouldering Project Brooklyn, which has world-class bouldering terrain, a heated yoga studio, a fully equipped fitness center, a co-working space, and a dedicated youth climbing room that hosts after-school programming and birthday parties. Go to brooklynboulderingproject.com to find out more. FAQ NYC is an affiliate of the Colin Powell School at CUNY City College, where our co-host, Dr. Christina Greer, is one of the Moynihan Public Scholars inaugural fellows. And we're an affiliate of the Flaming Hydra Newsletter, a collective of 60 writers and artists, including me, Harry Siegel, delivering a cooperatively owned new newsletter to your inbox that you'll actually want to open. See more and subscribe at flaminghydra.com. Our hosts for this episode were Christina Greer, Katie Onan, and me, Harry Siegel, who's also our executive producer. Our engineer is Adam Kamara. Thank you, listener, for joining us and making it this far. Be kind. Be cool slash stay warm, depending on how the weather goes this week. And we'll be back soon with more. Goodbye.